Hello everyone and welcome to episode 81 of the IA cast. My name is Michael Doeys and today I'm here with a few folks. I'm, I'm here with Aaliyah Dudley. Hello everyone. Jason Earls. Hello. And Scott Van Gorp. Hello. All right. So we have a interesting episode for you guys today. This week will be Google I.O. And that is Google's developer conference that they have every year. Kind of like Apple's WWDC. And something that we didn't talk about before the show, but was mentioned, is this is also Microsoft Build Week. Totally forgot about that. So we're going to focus on Google I.O. because that's what we planned for. Totally did not think about the Microsoft side, but I don't know nearly as much about it. But uh, we want to start off the show with some news. And we have a few interesting topics for the week. And... Jason, since you brought this up to the group, I will let you introduce this one and then we'll get people's thoughts on it. So why don't you go ahead and explain what this is? Okay. So I was looking around and I found an article talking about a, quote, bug with Siri. The bug was if you ask Siri to define mother and you get past the first definition and then tell it, yes, you want to hear the next definition you would get a result that may not be quite what you expect. The result would be a rather explicit definition of the word mother. I tried it on my device, and it worked. And Apple has since fixed the quote bug, as Siri will no longer give you that particular definition of the word mother. Now, since, you know, we've, in our group, the iAccessibility group that we have on WhatsApp and on, well, we haven't talked about it on the WhatsApp group, but on our Team Talk server, we've discussed this in detail because there's some varying opinions on this. But before the show, we looked it up and Siri gets its information from, which, uh, which dictionary, Aaliyah? Webster. Yep. So that information is actually in that dictionary entry. And if if I'm not mistaken, they use the word there as well, correct? In the Webster definition? I think they do. And you can also yeah. see it on, it's there. on Google. If you ask Google Assistant to define it, it won't necessarily speak the definition, but apparently it will show up in the results from what somebody told me. Wow. So do you guys... There's two sides to this. Some people think that Siri should not be showing this information because it's sensitive for children. Now, the two sides of this is that, and the other side is, well, if you turn on privacy, or uh, not privacy, what does it say, Jason? Restrictions. Restrictions. You can, yeah. You can actually make it to where Siri would not read that dis that definition, that part of the definition. And if you leave that off, then it would read it. And people went to Apple saying they don't want that there. Now, there's two sides, like I've said. Folks don't want it there because the kids shouldn't see that. I tend to agree, but at the same time, that's why you turn on restrictions in settings. So Interestingly, neither the Echo nor the Google Home, I just checked, have this issue. Really? Nope. So what do they do? They simply say the tame versions, the the not so explicit definitions. Yeah, that's what 
one of my friend's phones did too. It didn't read, it didn't speak the explicit definition, but it did show it on screen as a result. And that's interesting. So we want to know your thoughts out there in the community. Should Apple have removed that from the Siri definitions or since it is in the dictionary entry? Because here's the thing, folks. The dictionary is a very common thing that kids can get a hold of. And it's there. They can read it. And so should Apple have taken that out or should they not? I I think they probably should have left alone and maybe given a warning that this definition could contain explicit content if restrictions are off. But I think people just need to learn to use their phones and know that those restrictions are there because a lot of folks don't know. Well, my opinion is that, you know, if if you have a smartphone and you have a child and you're letting your child use your smartphone, then you as a parent have a responsibility to make sure that your child does not see content that you as a parent would deem inappropriate. Now, that being said, there are situations where your child may experience and see content that isn't appropriate. But those situations, at least the ones I can think of off the top of my head, are situations where you as a parent may not have direct control over, say, you know, other classmates in a school setting, for instance. But if it's something that you have full control over, like your smartphone, then I think you have, you as a parent have a responsibility to go in and look at those restriction settings. Because it's not really all that hard to access the content. I mean, you go into settings, enable restrictions, it asks you for a four-digit PIN, you enter a PIN, confirm it, and then whenever you want to see explicit content, you can... I don't know if it would pop up an alert whenever you come across explicit content in certain situations, or if you would just go in and turn restrictions off, but either way, you enter your PIN, and boom, your content's there. And that does a lot to help keep your child from seeing content that you may deem inappropriate. I don't think Apple should have edited those definitions because it was in a dictionary. And Siri already does precede some of its results with a warning. For example, sometimes if you ask it to tell you a joke, it'll precede the joke with kid joke alert. So I don't see why they couldn't have just said when you would say yes to hearing the next definition. This definition may contain explicit content. Are you sure you want me to continue? Or just preface it with this definition may contain explicit content and be on your way. So Scott, what are your thoughts on all this? I would agree that potentially having an explicit content warning would be a good thing. The problem I would have with it is a lot of kids would likely go right past it and get the definition anyway. So it all goes back to what Jason was saying earlier. Parental control is so important. There's no substitute for that. Okay. Do you want to add anything, Aaliyah, before we go on? No, I think everything's been said that needs to. Okay. So we'll move on to our next bit of news. But if you'd like to pipe in and say your thoughts on this topic, please do so at feedback at iaccessibility.net or through our Twitter account, iaccessibility1 or our hashtag at iacast. So, Scott, you have our second bit of news. So I hear there's been an update to KNFB Reader for iOS. 
Thank you, Michael. Yes, there has. KNFB Reader has been updated to version 3.0. It's been in beta testing for a few weeks now. They have had several builds released. And I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday of this past week it became available in the App Store to the public. I personally didn't see too many big changes. There are some changes to some of the file structure elements, and I think there are some other uh, under-the-hood things. But if people are interested, you can definitely go and check that out, Apple App Store. It is a free upgrade for current KNFB for iOS users. Okay. And looking at the notes, I saw there was addition of EPUB and changes there, and a lot of PDF improvements as well. So that's a nice change, I think. That's where I think people are going to see the biggest difference will be in recognition of PDFs. That's one area that really did need some work, and I'm glad to see that those changes have been implemented. Okay. So that's the news for this week. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our uh, mid-episode break. And that is to tell you about one of the things that we offer here at iAccessibility, and that is our wonderful Android apps. You know, we've started developing apps for Android now, and we have Pocket Braille and Pocket Braille Lite and our Start Speaking app that... uh, we have built for Android, and we have other apps that we've built for other folks. And if you'd like us to build you an app, we can do that. Just head to iAccessibility.net, find our app development page, and you can sign up to have an app for Android or iOS. But, you know, this is a Google-based show today, so you can have an Android app made. So head over there, check out our services, and we'll be happy to build your Android app. Also, we will train you through our online training program on Android. So you can go to iAccessibility.net slash training and sign up for that as well. So all of our Android services are very nice, very useful. So we hope you enjoy that. All right, so for our main topic of the day, this week is going to be Google I.O., Google's developer conference. Not just Android, but that's one of the biggest things they showcase there. And... You've been able to download Android P for quite some time as a preview but for the Pixel phones, but I think it's going to become more in beta this week, and that's very exciting. I'll probably download it then. So have y'all heard anything about this release of Android? I was reading something earlier today before we you know, were doing the show, and I didn't read the whole article. But I read something about Google making some changes to material design. There's supposed to be more rounded corners in apps and icons and stuff now. I guess some of the navigation buttons in Android are going away in favor of gestures. I guess there's going to be like a single button or something on the bottom of the screen now, I I think. Unless that's just for Pixel phones. Well, that'll be interesting because there is a back button at the bottom. So there's two back buttons, but it'll be interesting if that does change and i will be reporting on this as that happens but that's interesting i would i cannot wait to see that interface so there's a lot of accessibility changes coming i i got to hear all about that at csun and i'm very excited that was kind of their announcement of what's changing i just want to know what p is actually going to stand for like (laughs) 
Is it officially announced no. it's going to be Pez? No. I, but I kind of hope that it, that it is what it is. That's sort of my hope. If, like, if it is, I want a Android Pez dispenser. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, technically, wouldn't that be Google servers when they dispense the update to your phone? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can, I, can, see, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so I find it highly amusing that Android P could include some gestures similar to those of iPhone 10. What? What? As in which ones? Some of the swipey, like the swipe up from the bottom to go home, things like that. Oh, will it? There are rumors flying around. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing that was announced is Android P will have notch support. That too. I heard that. I find that to be very interesting that the software is very much mimicking what the iPhone ten is doing. And Aaliyah's right in both gestures and the notch support. I had heard that on a couple of different uh, YouTube videos that I follow from some iOS channels. Well, and the interesting thing is is that Samsung really kind of just shrugged off the concept of a notch and laughed at it. And now Android's being built with notch support. It's not saying that Google's going to have notch support on their phones. They're just saying, if you're a phone manufacturer, here's the option to do this, which Android has to do with how big and how many manufacturers use it. So one thing I'm going to be interested in, even if I don't buy it, there's a phone that I believe is supposed to have hit stores yesterday, which I be- I want to say that was what, May 5th, right? Today's the 6th, I think. That's correct. Okay. So yeah, I think it was supposed to hit hit stores yesterday. And I think it's called the Nokia 6.1. It is, I guess, a 6.1-inch phone. It's got a 1080p HD screen. It has a Snapdragon CPU. I don't remember the CPU in it. It has 4 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigabytes of onboard storage. It has... Support for SD cards. I think it has USB-C as well as a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. And you can get this phone unlocked, as I understand it, for like $269. And I think I read that it's running stock Android, so it should get updates rather quickly, I would imagine, whether they come from Google or Nokia. I'm not sure. I would assume Nokia, but I wonder if that phone is going to get Android P quickly. I would hope so. Yeah, and that's the thing, guys, is that with Android, they're announcing P, the preview of, or the beta of P this week, but as Samsung and other carriers or other manufacturers, you may not see it till this time next year, which is ridiculous. The other thing that kind of stinks for some users, this will see the end of support for the Nexus line of phones and the Pixel C tablets. Google's dropping all support for those uh, phones and their tablet lines altogether. So if you want an Android tablet, you have to go through a third party. And if you think about that, if they have delay times on getting those updates there, you know, like Samsung does on their phones, that's really going to be terrible if you're an Android tablet user. So we would like for you guys out there, if you know of a stock Android tablet that's not Google, that is stock Android that will get updates regularly, let us know. And if we find out, we will post those on Twitter as well. You know, that's the really the only big thing 
that I can say against Android. I mean, I joke about it. I've joked about it on several shows, but that is the one thing that I do not like about Android, and that is device fragmentation. I really don't. I mean, I, I understand that Google has made, you know, some newer app features available to people by updating the app separately from the operating system. You know, like the, what is their keyboard? Gboard, I think it's called, right? Gboard or yes. Google Keyboard or something. Yeah, they'll update that. They'll update Maps. They update uh, TalkBack and other apps. But there are just certain things you're not going to have access to until you have a newer version of Android on your device. For instance, some of the accessibility features like that they're adding that are really, really, really cool, like headings. Apps can now have headings in Android P, which is really nice. I'm very excited about that. And there's going to be select to speak with OCR, so you could point your camera at something and have it read out. That's really nice. Like at a sign, at a menu, that's really cool. You know... I wish KNFB Reader would incorporate that kind of functionality into its app. Speaking of OCR, live OCR like that. Well, in a way, this is something that that the iPhone already has with with um, seeing AI and short text. True. Speaking of seeing AI, can we have an Android version, Microsoft? Please. <laughs> These are really cool features that are coming to Android, but you'll have to have a phone that'll get P recent you know sooner or later and the one thing that i also don't care for and i don't mean this to be an android bashing show it's just these are some glaring issues is a phone typically supports three android versions so three years of support and that's gone so you know whereas the iphones you get i mean they're doing testing on the iphone 5s that's crazy that's insane so but isn't android p supposed to include google's Project Trouble, which is supposed to make it easier for manufacturers to update their ROMs or something. I don't quite understand how it works. I'm sure they're going to add that. The issue is, will they use it? Because a lot of manufacturers use that as a way to get people to upgrade their phone every year. True. It's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens regardless with Android P, I think. And I still hope it's best. So, Aliyah and Scott, what are y'all's thoughts on all this? I think... Jason brings up a valid point, and Michael, you too, when it comes to software fragmentation, what devices will be supported, and even, you know, going back to the hardware, the fact that Google doesn't go back and support their older devices, that's not a good thing. People like to hang on to their devices as long as they can in a lot of cases, and not having the operating system to do that I think it would be a big mistake on Google's part. Yeah, I agree with you, Scott. I also think that, and don't get me wrong, Android's a great OS, but I think that iOS does some things better. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of this move with the Pixel C, especially given that carriers take so long to update their stinking devices. Now there's no tablet that I can go buy that will put me on track to have immediate updates and that's sad i think i remember reading something or somebody told me that project phi nexus devices are going to possibly get android p but even so i mean that's still a very limited number of devices when you compare how many devices are on the big four carriers you know at&t 
Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile, for those of you who are outside of the U.S. and may not be familiar with the big four, as we call them. Right. You know, that's why I changed to my Pixel 2, so that I would get, you know, the latest updates to keep testing Android stuff as a developer. And because I wanted cool new Android shiny stuff. You know, the S8 is a very nice phone. And I, I feel like a lot of Android, you know, Samsung and those are not marketed to me as a developer. It's marketed to high-end consumer use, taking photos, doing those things, which do it very, very well. And it doesn't matter what OS of Android you're on. They just make it work really well. But for folks that are looking for accessibility, that are looking for better use of their phone, you almost have to stay in the stock Android realm because like, on and one of the other reasons why I switched from Samsung, I refuse to have a device that will tell me I can't use my screen reader or zooming software in certain apps. I refuse to have that. So that's why I switched over. And I think that Samsung needs to, if they want to compete in the accessibility sphere of influence, they need to make those changes. But the Pixel has always on display, like Samsung. It doesn't have the edge tiles that you could pull in but you know that's kind of a gimmick the pixel has a lot of the same features and i love my little pixel too it's a it's a nice phone i would have gotten the xl but the screens have some issues so i went without it next year that may change but they're nice phones and i like the sounds that google has and just the stock android feel is nice now i may put nova launcher or apex launcher on there because the google now or google is the uh, pixel launcher is meh to me but it's a great OS, and it's come a very, very long way. But I think that, just like Android apps themselves, they need to pull it together some. And the other issue I'm wondering is, what's going to happen in the future with app development and Java? Because there's, you know they just lost another lawsuit, and I'm sure they're going to appeal that. But we may see Android morph into something else. I think the code names like Fuchsia or something like that and yeah it's fuchsia mm -hmm. and it's built on a whole different language apps are going to be totally different which is going to throw a lot of people off so android's kind of in flux right now so we'll have to see what happens but you know you could go back to the first episode of the acast and listen to a very compelling and very interesting history of the android os you know it came from a camera so I think from where it came from, where it is now, it's really amazing just to see that transformation. Michael raises a good point in that Android has come a long way in accessibility. It still lacks in some areas behind iOS, but it, it has really caught up in the last couple of years. It's good to see that, good to see that there's choice out there, but we still need to continue to watch what happens as things morph in the future. Right, and I, we may see another tablet be launched at I.O., and if there is, I may have to look into it, not for everyday use, but for development. I have, you know, I still need to learn how to build tablet-based apps because they are different from phone apps. You know, when you build for iOS, you build for iPhone and iPad all together as one. On Android, you I almost have to build as two. I don't think we'll see any hardware announcements. I.O. is not so much a hardware announcement center as a as a software one kind of like wwdc i'm not sure we're gonna see hardware right i think they've had hardware before 
not often, but they have like at I think last year at WWDC they launched new iPad the the Pros. So it'll be interesting. So if Android could do anything in particular different, what would you guys like to see it do? I've always said that I want to be able to buy an Android device and then during setup have it ask me if I want to install the ROM from the from the manufacturer and have the manufacturer experience or give me the choice of having the Google experience, which would include, in my perfect world, not only the stock version of, up, of Android, but updates from Google. I know that's probably very hard to do technically and would probably require maybe two different images on the device or something. I don't know how it would work, but that's what I'd like to see somehow if it were feasible. Anybody else? I'm not sure. For me, most of my complaints are kind of with talkback in that, for example, it doesn't allow for multi-fingered gestures, and I don't like it. Like, some some things are overly complicated because of that. And I just, I think that should change. It's really difficult for me to be able to answer that question because I haven't actually used an Android device on a day-to-day basis. I've seen them in action with TalkBack. Just saw one last night, a uh, Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. Nice phone. Would I want one? I can't really say that I would, but there are some nice things about Android that I do like. Uh, Some of the audio things are, are nice, but as a whole operating system experience, I just don't have enough information to really form that opinion. I think my biggest thing is hardware. I want to see the hardware actually catch up. Like, they have great processors, great RAM. That's great. They have great cameras and screens. That's great. Their speakers have something to be desired. Their form factor have something to be desired. And I want to see less carrier and manufacturer-specific software and more stock. That's what I want to see. Because the S9 is a great phone. Now, if I could get an S9 stock, that would be sweet. So, that's what I would love to see from Android. But, just wait till we do the WWDC show and I get to say what I want to see for iOS compared to what's on Android. And then I'll really let loose. But I love so many things that Android can do. I can run Apache servers. I can run all kinds of develop like an FTP server. I can do all kinds of amazing stuff on Android. And I want iOS to do those things. That's why I'll always at least have an Android phone for testing and, and developer stuff. And Hotspot, don't get me started on iOS Hotspot. It's terrible compared to Android's. Android's Hotspot is like having a little router with you. That's so nice. So I will always have an Android phone (laughs) along with my iPhone. So you get a little router with Android, but in iOS you get a router that's stuck in demo mode. Right. Five minutes. You get five minutes. Well, If you stop using it, it resets. Yeah, if you're inactive... For five minutes, yeah, it's so annoying. I experienced that when our internet cut out and also when I was having some DNS issues for whatever reason with my... Actually, no, I think it was IP stuff. I think my router's IP table got full. But anyway, I wasn't able to check for updates on my network and there was some other stuff I couldn't do unless I were connected to my phone's hotspot. So that was really, really frustrating. 
Okay. All right. Does anybody have any final comments? I think we've talked about this quite a bit, and I'm sure there's going to be there's a lot more content that we didn't get to, but those are kind of the big highlights of what you know you could see for Android. I'm sure there's going to be other information about the G Suite that are going to talk about all of their apps and services and all those things. So we will, you know, have that in the news next time. It won't be a big discussion like this. So do y'all have anything to add before we go ahead and wrap up? While there are definitely some criticisms that I have for Android in certain areas, I just, and so does iOS, I don't think the perfect operating system and mobile device or any device pair exists yet. But then again, you could argue what is perfect because that could be subjective just like audio. But nonetheless, I'm excited to see what's going to happen because Android, whether you like it or you hate it, is still competition. And I think competition is a good thing because it makes people innovate as they try to distinguish themselves from one another. So I just think that's really cool to see happen. I would agree with Jason. I think having Android in that space, you know, not only are they going to make themselves better, but iOS is going to have to, in a lot of ways, find ways to keep up with whatever Android does, just like Android keeps up with different things that iOS does. Is there a perfect operating system and device configuration together? Not yet. So Jason is totally right. You folks should be happy. I'm not talking much this show, which means everybody else is saying good things. (laughs) So I'm just going to come out and say it. Do you know what my favorite phone of all time has been as far as design and screen and everything like that? Was the Your iPhone X? That's actually my second favorite. (gasps) Boo! Kicked off. Goodbye. Go away. (laughs) I don't know if anybody got to see the Nokia 920 running Windows phone. I didn't. I heard about it. I saw a Nokia something running Windows Phone, but it was made out of plastic. It was pretty good feeling plastic, but it was still plastic. And I think the 920 is metal, isn't it? No, it was plastic as well. I don't mind plastic phones. I really don't. And it was running Windows Phone. It had live tiles. It had narrator. It had Zoom. It was completely usable. And (laughs) did you just say a Windows Phone with narrator was completely usable? Yes. You could do everything on the phone with Narrator. The one issue it had was Narrator at the time did not have the ability to speak quickly. But Interesting, because the last Windows phone I saw, and maybe this was before, there was a lot that Narrator didn't read. Yeah, it, it could do everything was, you needed it, was it depressing. to do. Uh, this was right before they ended the line. But these oh. were nice phones. They had very good screens. The live... I wish... I loved the live tiles because you could get to a lot of information just from your home screen. And I believe Narrator would even, if you had your focus on a live tile, would update with information as things changed on the live tile. I loved that. No other OS has, I mean, there's widgets on Android, which can do some of that, but they're just not as elegant, in my opinion, as the live tiles. And that was, you know, a carryover from uh, Windows 8, because they were they focused a lot on that. And that's in the Windows 10 start menu as well. So that hasn't gone away. But I just like that design. And the reason why the platform failed was no developers picked up on the apps and the services and all those things. And so my whole point to this is is 
competition is good. And I, I think that that technology would have been amazing if more developers had gotten on board. And I hope that Android and iOS mature and change themselves to be a step above. Not staying the same, not going backwards, not removing features. You know who I'm pointing at when I say that. And just keep innovating, keep creating, keep making the experience better for all users. And so I think Google has done that this year with Android P, with the new accessibility features, the new look and gestures and all those things. So, and I like what somebody said at CSUN. They said, if we're going to add a feature, it's going to work with TalkBack. I know there's probably some things that they still have to work on, but for the most part, everything I've seen works pretty well with TalkBack. So with that being said, I think that we are on the right track with Android. I think they still have some room to grow, and I think they're trying to do that. So with that being said, so Aliyah, what have you been working with this week? What have you found interesting, and where can people find you online? For me, this week, I've been playing a bit with 1Password. I know it's been around for a while, but I just got it. I've been an iCloud keychain snob for a while and just decided to give this a shot. I'm on the free 30-day trial right now and so far really loving it. It offers the opportunity for you to work with multiple platforms and have your password stored in a secure vault with one master password, hence one password. Get it? Ha. <laughs> anyway... For $30 a year, you can have access to this, and it really is a very secure system. I have horrible password hygiene. Awful. I I am very password dirty, and I think that 1Password really is going to help me fix that. That way, if somebody gets one of my passwords, they will not get them all, <laughs> which I have a few that I shuffle around. Don't go getting any ideas, hackers, but I really need to make myself better. You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net, or you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. All right, Scott, I think you have some new toys this week and uh, all that, so what have you been messing with and where can people find you online? New podcasting toys. Uh, we have here a Behringer Mixer, as well as a Shure microphone, uh, a nice microphone stand, and some great cables, which we can certainly uh, provide links to those in the show notes, because right now I don't have all the motto information right here. Uh, but we can definitely provide Amazon links, and if folks are interested in purchasing said equipment, really, really nice. It's been a great experience to get this set up and working, and I'm glad to be podcasting with it right now actually don't we have amazon links in an earlier episode uh when we were talking about podcast etiquette we do okay well, Glad we'll to hear put, it. Like, i guess we can we'll put in we'll a link those. to that episode in the show notes sounds great in the meantime people can find me producing content for iaccessibility you can email me at scott at iaccessibility.net you can also find me on twitter at Scott Van Gorp, that's S-C-O-T-T-V-A-N-G-O-R-P. You can also search for me on Facebook at Scott Heidi Van Gorp. All right, Jason, what are you working with, and where can people find you? 
Well, I don't actually know how long it's been available in my area, or honestly, how long it's been around for that matter. But I recently decided to play with DoorDash. And DoorDash is a food delivery service similar to Uber Eats in some ways. You can order from a list of supported restaurants and you can add and remove stuff from your cart. And when you get your order complete, you can then have it delivered to your door or wherever else you happen to be. And one, what I like about the app is there are still some accessibility issues, but it seems to be better than Uber Eats accessibility-wise. For example, the payment screen seems to be readable. I like that you can actually, and I didn't know this when I first installed the app, I went ahead and set up my card information only to then discover that I could pay with Apple Pay with my orders. Apparently you can pay with Android, or I guess it's called Google Pay now, I've been told. Correct. So that's what I've been playing with lately. So I, I really like it. It's it's really cool. And as far as where people can find me online, people can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can follow me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. You can also follow me on Twitter at JDE. That is Juliet Delta Echo 91. All right. I guess that just leaves me now. So I've been playing a game that Aaliyah recommended because it was in an article, right, that you saw? It was in the Applevis newsletter for this month. Right. And it's a game called Sonarium. And I think this game's been out for about three months, but it's a totally audio-based game where you play as a robot that's been thrown into a trash heap. You're a lot of your parts are not working, including your ocular sensors, and you have to go find the parts to repair them. And Jason and I beat the game the first night, and I want to go back through and play through and just get better and faster at the game. And we're going to be doing a game, a let's play, kind of a game cast of that on our YouTube channel to kind of promote that area, and we'll be uploading more of our shows there too. But just a neat game. And all that's shown on screen is the joystick, which is actually a, a visual controller and just a blank spot on the right, to, which is just a button. So it's interesting. It's using the Unity gaming graphics engine. And there's only one visual scene at the end, which I kind of wished was audio described for blind users. But other than that, it's... Well, and there's there's other issues with the game, like it could be better described with how to play and a few other things, but very cool. So... We will have links to all of our picks in the show notes, so uh, you can you can find those there. To find me, though, you can find me on uh, here at iAccessibility producing content. I'm on Twitter as Mike Doeys. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys. If you want to email me, you can at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. And you can go to my website, michaeldoeys.com, and, you know, I'm all over the internet, so just take a look on Google. All right, if you want to find iAccessibility to learn more about us, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for iAccessibility. We have our iAccessibility app, and we're all over social media and everywhere in between. 
If you want to support us, you can at i at uh, patreon.com slash iacast. And if you need assistance with signing up or doing any of that, we have you can find us in the app for Patreon. So check us out there. And uh, we appreciate any that you can send our way. It helps keep these podcasts going. You know, we have a lot of podcasters with some great equipment, but your help could help us get better equipment to sound even more awesome. So we really appreciate any of that that you can send us. And we also have our YouTube page. We're on Tumblr. We're all over the web. So find us there. If you want to email us, you can at feedback at iaccessibility.net and let us know what you think of our episodes. And of course, we have that little hashtag, the IACast hashtag. So check that out as well. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Scott, Aaliyah, Jason, thank you guys. And I want to thank everybody that has been on the stream. You guys are awesome for sticking with us. And uh, we hope you come back next week when we record again. And we will bring you another exciting episode of the IA cast. And we thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, and Michael Doeys.